Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. So last week we talked about giving, uh, time, talent, treasure. This week I want to talk to you about a really unpopular subject. Is that all right? I'm going to talk to you about something that no Christians like to hear about. Aren't you so excited you came today? But I promise, it's like, uh, it's like money. It's easy to understand. It's hard to practice. But when you do practice it, it actually benefits your life greatly. And uh, I want to talk to you guys today a little bit about hunger and specifically fasting. Fasting. Talk to Christians about fasting. It's like donating clothes to a nudist colony. Um, you get some funny looks. But I do promise it's going to be good for you. And uh, if you have your Bible today, Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, the red writing here, so Jesus is talking. If you don't have a sense of humor, you're dismissed. If you like boring church services, you are dismissed. We're going to have a good time today. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Awesome. We're a rowdy bunch. Chapter 6, verse 1, it says, take heed, Jesus says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward. Say with me, reward. It's interesting how often this, this word shows up in this chapter. Uh, but when you do a charitable deed, do not, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do, when you give, when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Verse, verse uh, 5. And when you pray, notice not if, but. When you do a charitable deed, not if, but. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites. The word hypocrite literally means pretenders. Don't pretend, standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets, that you may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, not if, but when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut the door behind you, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions. We'll actually fast forward to verse 16 here. Moreover, if you fast. Dang it. I, was, I promise, guys, I was looking for a loophole. He says not if, but. When you fast, do not be like the pretenders, the hypocrites, with sad countenances, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear by humans to be fasting. Surely I say to you, they have their. But when you fast, not if, but when you fast, anoint your head with oil. Come on, brush your teeth. Throw some crest white strips in your mouth so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But your father who sees in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I was praying this week, and I was seeking God for all of you, as I try to do every single week. And I really felt like the Lord gave me a word. I haven't even had a chance to share this with Rochelle last, uh, yet, because God gave this to me at about 2 o'clock last night. Um, but he told me, he said, Mark, I want you to know this year and this decade will be marked, I believe, by one word. And it's not just for you and Rochelle. It's for the church. It's for my people. And I want you to share it with boldness. And the word is this. I believe the word for 2020 and the word for this decade is this going to be a year and a decade of reward. 
Come on, it's okay to believe it. I believe that God is going to reward us. What do you mean reward us? Like we earn? No, I mean, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, it says that, that he who comes to God must believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We will be a church in a community that diligently seeks God. And if you show me someone that diligently seeks him, I'll show you someone that's getting rewarded by God. That's what's going to happen this year. Come on, if you believe it, say one more amen. amen. Let's pray today. I want to talk to you today about first hunger. Last week, first place. Today's first hunger. Don't miss next week. God gave me a message last night. He's going to call it first date. Is next week. But today I want to talk to you about first hunger. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to stir our hearts. I pray today, Lord, that if we've never heard your voice, that we would hear it. I ask you that if we never felt your love, that we would feel it. I pray whether we're watching online or we're sitting in this room, that you would meet us where we are. If we come every week, meet us. If we're brand new today, meet us. If we're in doubt or we're in faith, meet us. And God, we invite you, Lord, today to speak freely. We're here. Have your way. Bless the Lakers in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Come on, everyone said amen. Always there's a little steam there at the end. Uh, airports are funny places. They're interesting places, airports. Uh, I thought a lot about airports. I don't have time to do my full comedy skit. Uh, but I do have one. And I think airports are just kind of interesting places. They're funny places. Uh, I don't get why. They pretty much offer two flights. They offer it at 3 o'clock in the morning at 1 a.m. So unless you want to pay $2 million, you show up to airports when humans should not be awake. And uh, inevitably, you have to go to that awkward line and check in your bags. And I don't know why they wear bags. I think that's a bit of a uh, scam. Because they'll tell you your bag's overweight, right? And when they do, they say you got to get, get rid of some weight in your bag. And it's like two pounds overweight. Does anyone know what two pounds in a luggage looks like? I wish they'd have a picture of items and their approximate weight. So you need to shuffle at least three shoes, two pairs of high heels, and four pairs of jeans. Come on. That'll get rid of two and a half pounds. And it's funny because the lady will always tell you, get rid of the weight. Like, where do I put it? Like, in your carry-on. And I always just kind of scratch my head. I'm like, I don't know if you're aware of this. But that bag is going on the plane, too. It's the same plane. And if everyone's so interested in weight, why are we not weighing passengers? I'm like, my three pounds right here ain't nothing compared to, come on, Sister Bertha. Sitting in my seat and everyone else's seat. Come on. Why are we measuring? Why are we, why are we weighing? Why is weight such a... Airports are funny places. You walk in, and this, is, this, this gets me too, is I don't understand why, why, like, Idaho has a smash burger, which is a great restaurant. Uh, love eating hamburgers sometimes. And, and I don't get, though, that they open at 4 a.m. 4 a.m. I was flying back last Saturday, and I got to the airport at 5.30, and they're serving cheeseburgers and milkshakes. I, was, I think it might be healthier to be at a bar drinking hard alcohol at this hour of the morning. This is crazy. Like, like I mean, most people's excuses are it's got to be 12 somewhere, right? You're eating a cheeseburger at 5.30 a.m. thought it was very interesting. I think I might have even made a little funny tweet about it last week. And it's funny that five days later, my family's in the airport. We're flying back on uh, Saturday. Uh, that was yesterday, I guess. 
Long day. Uh, we were flying back, and my 11-year-old goes, hey, Dad, we got through security, which is, which is a feat. And we got through security, and my daughter goes, Dad, can I get Smashburger? I said, Kenzie, I was just making fun of people last week. It was 5.30 in the morning. And, and I, I was like, this is, man, Kenzie. And we started walking by, and I'm like, that smells good, actually. <laughs> I didn't order. I have self-control, people, but it, it smelled good. Isn't it funny, you know, in the morning, I'm not usually hungry, but if I go to airports very early, for some reason, food that normally wouldn't smell good, am I the only one? It's like these airport people are capitalizing on the smells. Breakfast literally means break fast. Some of you are like, I've never fasted a day in my life. You fasted every day of your life. Most people, though, they fast between 11 or 12 and 7 in the morning. That's just a fast. It's called sleep. Come on. And you're fasting, you break fast, and, and it's crazy because when you're really, really hungry, um, you'll start smelling things, uh, and smells can actually uh, awaken different senses in your body and trigger thoughts that you normally would not have. And I was thinking about this this week, and hunger's, hunger's powerful. I think hunger is actually one of the greatest motivating forces in the world. If you're hungry enough, it'll drive you to do things that you never ordinarily would do. I remember being a janitor, and I was fasting during Bible college, and I was learning how to fast, and hated it then, still don't like it very much. I like what fasting does, but I don't really enjoy the process. Are you, anybody honest Christians? Okay. So I'm like in the middle of fast, like weak, got a headache, detoxing my brain and my body, and sugars are coming out of me. Like light, light-headed, I'm vacuuming our church. I was a janitor for five years, um, and that was my, that was my, my kind of my pipeline into ministry like oh you want to preach here's the mop and so that's how I kind of got integrated into God's kingdom but for five years I cleaned our church and I remember the finance ladies I knew these ladies ate well they some some people in the church would pack lunches not the finance ladies these ladies were always eating like like good foods and it's funny because when you change trash when you're full it's a completely different experience than when you're like four or five days into a fast. It's wild that you get, hung- you get hungry enough in a fast. Things that would normally just not even be interesting to you at all. All of a sudden, like, man, that Qdoba still smells pretty fresh. I didn't do it. Settle down. I have self-control. But there was a part of me that was like, man, this smells unbelievable. And, and because when you're hungry enough, it'll actually activate things inside of you that ordinarily would not be activated. They've even proven that people like uh, people that lose their ability to see uh, as adults, they start relying on hearing in ways they never did. And it's interesting because their hearing doesn't get stronger, but they get more sensitive to what they're hearing. They've proven that blind people can tell where hallways are, where staircases are, windows that do have curtains and don't have curtains. They can't see, but they can sense. Why? Because they're no longer relying on what they see, they're relying on what they... When I was praying for you this week, talking to God about fasting and how most of us don't really like it very much, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, fasting is a discipline that actually, it actually is, it's a willing decision to close your eyes and learn how to hear God's voice. Are you tracking with me? I apologize on behalf of all of us today, and I said, God, forgive us for relying so much on logic and what naturally we see that we're just reading your lips, we're not listening to your voice. 
I believe the North American church as a whole is reading God's lips, not listening to his voice. And that's why most churches, they just do what other churches are doing. And most preachers just preach what other preachers are preaching. And everybody's just copying everybody else that's listening to God. But I want you to know that God says, everyone that has ears, let him. You know what? God gave you two ears, one mouth. Why? Because you're supposed to listen twice as much as you speak. That's a word for those under 35. Hello, church. It's interesting that our human anatomy is all facing forward, that you can only really listen well to what's in front of you. I believe that whatever you put in front of you is what you will listen to. Isn't it wild that your eyes, that your ears, that your mouth, that your nose, everything in your anatomy is facing forward. There's actually only one part of the human anatomy that's backwards. And I won't bore you with the details. But I would suggest to you that God wants you to only, only the, the waste of our past should be behind us. God wired us and made us to move forward. And I believe that giving, not if, but when you give, he says this is healthy. And when you pray, not if, when you pray, this is healthy, moves you forward. He says and when you fast, not if, but when you fast, this is healthy. You see, fasting is a spiritual discipline. It's, it's a spiritual discipline that actually removes food to go after God's purpose. That's what fasting is all about. People say that fasting is, uh, I love this, I wrote this down. Fasting is about getting more of God by letting God get more of you. That's what fasting is all about. Fasting is not avoiding food, that's dieting. It's not avoiding eating, that's starving yourself. That's anorexia. What fasting is, is giving up something you love for something you love even more. That's what fasting is all about. It's okay. It's going to get quiet in here for a little bit. I'm not talking about something fun today. Come on. This is a discipline. Do you know the disciple comes from the same word that we get discipline from? To be not a fan of Jesus, but to be a disciple of Jesus. And notice that Jesus at the very end of the Great Commission, he didn't say go make fans of all people in all nations. Make fans of, of Christianity. He said, I want you to go and make disciples. Disciples aren't just believers. They're, they're benefactors of living a disciplined life. And so today, I want to talk to you a little bit about hunger. You know, what's interesting is all of us have appetites. I love to eat. I only actually exercise so I can eat more. I'm at a point in my life that I'll do whatever it takes to have a perfect body, except eat less and exercise. Come on. It's a joke. It's okay to laugh. My favorite machine at the gym is actually the vending machine. And I, I love eating. I have an appetite. I love eating good food. My friend Jesse and I got me a great steak. We went to the steakhouse a couple weeks ago. I love eating food. But listen, I'm telling you there's something powerful about appetites. We all have appetites. And throughout the Bible, people got in trouble when they actually misguided their appetites. Adam and Eve started craving what satisfied immediately and not long term. They thought, man, that tree looks good for food. It's pleasing to the eye. The snake said it's all right. And by the way, when snakes start talking to you, that's usually a sign. Something's not right. Esau, we know Esau was the brother of uh, 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 Jacob. And Jacob, they're twins. And Esau was this great hunter. He was actually in that time Bear Grylls. He was, he was hairy. The Bible says he was so hairy that Bigfoot took pictures of him. And... Uh, Esau was a hunter. He was an outdoorsman. What, what does it say? It says that 
in, in the process of time, he came in from the field. He was starving. And his brother made this lentil soup. Uh, it says that uh, Jacob was this, like, like, great chef. He was super indoorsy. He made this great cuisine. And he made this lentil soup. And when Esau came in from the field, he was starving. He's like, give me some of that soup. And his brother says, all right, give me your birthright. Give me what belongs to you forever, and I'll give to you what I have right now. And I believe that we have a generation of people sacrificing long-term legacy for short-term pleasure. That's why I love fasting. Fasting disciplines our flesh to say no. Because if you can't say no to food, you'll have a hard time saying no to your flesh. Esau had an appetite for what's now. But what's crazy is Esau had no idea that he was going to literally make one decision that would sacrifice his legacy in humanity. Do you know that the whole world, starting with Moses, was introduced to Yahweh as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and it should have been. It was supposed to be Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Esau sacrificed what would have been historic legacy for temporary, momentary gratification. Appetites are powerful. In Numbers, it talks about the children of Israel complaining to God about not having the right types of food. And they said, if only we were still in Egypt in slavery, eating the delicacies of Egypt. And it was their complaining about food and their appetite that actually got them to die in the wilderness and never enter into the promised land. Come on, appetites are powerful things. Everyone has an appetite, but many of us, we crave what's now over what God has next. So today, I want to tell you that we are going to be a church that every year in January, we're going to say, you know what, whether it's a partial, whether it's an absolute, or whether it's a normal fast, we're going to set aside half a day, a day, three days, seven days, or whatever God puts on your heart. And we're going to put God first in the area of, of fasting. Fasting is when you normally are cooking food or normally preparing a meal that you have your Bible open and you're praying. For the last 18 years, Rashawn and I have spent the beginning of the year with a prayer journal saying, God, for our personal lives, for our marriage, for our babies, for our businesses, for our ministries, for our future hopes and dreams, God, would you speak to us? And I'm telling you, what we would do is we would dedicate different days for different areas of our lives. Some of you that are single, I would be fasting about who you're going to marry one day. Even while you're still, like, very single. Don't wait till you meet, meet somebody and say, I'm going to start fasting now. Let's see what the Lord can do. I think it's a good idea to do it before God brings them into your life. Some of you were thinking about moving out of state. Come on, fast about that thing. You know what we do is we want God to just put his guarantee on all of our decisions. Would you bless and would you, like, would you give a warranty to my decisions, God? Because many of us, we think it's easier to ask God, apologize to God, than ask God for permission. Fasting is saying, God, I want your will over my appetite. And so what I would do every year is we would write out our goals. I'd write out, hey, this is what I want to do as a husband. I have faith goals this year. I'm going to take my wife on a date at least every 14 days. We're going to do a staycation. Come on, once every two months. We're going to rent a hotel and praise the Lord. <laughs> Hello, church. I'm telling you that I had marital goals. I have family goals. I'm going to date my daughters. I'm going to take my girls. I'm going to show my girls what a good man looks like. I have, I have business goals. I'm going to dedicate this day of the week to actually build these parts of our magazine and these parts of our, of our businesses. And, and I had goals, spiritual goals. I want to read through the Bible four times this year. I want to, I want to actually memorize this book of the Bible. I, want to, I have these, are you following me today? Personal, family, ministry, business. 
And I'm telling you, if every year as a community, you mark my words, in January, this church will get heaven's attention by seeking God through praying and fasting. Prayer and fasting does a couple things. Number one, if you're taking us, why should I do it this year? Why should I participate at all? Number one, I'm telling you that when you fast and pray, it will set the direction for your year. It's very interesting that the things I wrote down in my journals in the beginning of the year seem to be the description of what happened to me at the end of the year. It's funny, I used to write down even churches that I was believing God that I would get invited to speak at. I would do it at the beginning of the year. So weird. I remember reading old journals from 2010, 2011, 2012. Even nations that I was believing God to be able to preach the gospel in. And God opening up Australia and opening up Africa and South America. I got to travel all over the world. But many times, listen to me, when I fail to pray and fast, I fail to see God's hands at work in my life. I'm not talking about God's love. God loves us all. Can I get a good amen? Here's the difference. People don't realize this. They go, Mark, are you saying that fasting makes God love you more? No. He can't do that. He loves you the most he'll ever love you. He can't love you anymore, and he can't love you any less. That's a good spot for an amen. Come on, that's good. But I do believe that, that heaven is not a socialistic community. You will not get to heaven. It's not the Truman Show that we all have the exact same house, same floor plan, same lawn, same dog, same car. The Bible I read says that to, to, to one, he was faithful with five talents, and he was given five more. One was faithful with 10, he was given 10 more. It says that he gave one to be ruler over 10 cities, one five cities. It says that in Revelations, they had different types of crowns. So you can write this down, very powerful theological thought, but what you believe determines where you spend eternity. But how you live determines how you spend eternity. That's quiet, it's all right. Telling the truth. And I'd rather smack people with truth than kiss them with lies, come on. I'm telling you that what you believe determines where you spend eternity, but how you live your life. The Bible says that we'll be rewarded, predicated upon how we steward what God gave us. Fasting is stewarding God's grace. So why will we fast? Are you still with me today? We fast because it sets direction for the year. Can I get a good amen? Number two, I believe it actually releases the rewards of heaven. I believe there's something about fasting that releases rewards. Well, that seems a little bit odd. Well, we just read that when you pray and when you give and when you fast, if you do it with the right heart, it says that God sees it in secret, but he rewards it openly. And I'm really tired of the religious church, the, just like this religious sector of Christianity that thinks that God wants you to suffer, he wants you to barely make it, to endure, that he wants to punish you with sickness, disease, and being poor and destitute to teach you how to have faith. Introduce me one good parent. Introduce, please, someone show me one good parent that has ever educated his kids by making them sick, by not taking care of their needs, and making them suffer during their adolescence. Why did you make your kids suffer their whole life? Well, I was trying to teach them how to be a good adult one day. So why would you tolerate that illogic, theologically, but you don't tolerate it in the human realm? You think you're better than God? You think that your goodness is better than God's goodness. I know I'm kicking some sacred cows this morning, but I like it. Come on, some cow tipping right now. I want you to know that God, he actually takes pleasure. This is weird. He actually gets a rise out of rewarding his kids. No, he doesn't. He likes us to suffer. Do you, do you, I love Christmas morning because I love seeing my kids' faces. Man, I feel something in here. Do you... 
The Bible says if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does your Father who is heaven give good things, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask him? So you think you like to like your kids' face light up, but you think God likes to make his kids cry. Can we get this weird logic out of our heads? He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And I have no problem with saying God wants to reward us this year. But here's what good parents do. Good parents do not reward wrong behavior. Good parents do not reinforce when your kid's rebelling. You don't say, all right, give them the car anyways. Give them, give, give them the inheritance. Give them the house anyways. Give them all the money anyways. God waits like us as good parents and go, you know what? Are my kids going to steward what I'm going to entrust to them? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And number three, why, do we, why are we going to fast every year as a church? Because everything we want God to bless, we give him the first of it. It's the Matthew 6, principle that whenever you want God to take care of, you give him the first. So I want you to know this might be the week out of the year you might not get excited about because every year this week I'm going to teach on fasting. And I'm going to tell you why it's awesome. And I'm going to tell you why all the Bible figures that did something great for God were fasters. Do you know that the Ten Commandments were given to Moses during a 40-day fast? Do you know there was another, four, he did two 40-day fasts in his life. The second one, he interceded for the children of Israel. Do you know that Joshua did a 40-day fast? Do you know that, that it was Hannah praying and fasting when she got pregnant, when God actually opened up her womb, and she got pregnant with an eagle-eyed prophet by the name of Samuel? Do you know that uh, not only did, did Hannah get the, the answer prayer during fasting, that Judah fasted, that Ezra fasted, that David fasted, that the Ninevites, when they said doom and gloom, our nation's going to hell. And all of a sudden, Jonah's preaching fire, brimstone, but the Ninevites said, we're going to turn to God. And they begin to fast, and they begin to pray. What happened? God spared a nation that prayed and that fasted. Not only did he spare them, but what happened to Peter? Peter, because of his fast, when he was on the housetop of a, of a, of a tanner by the name of Simon, he was in the middle of a fast when God would say, Hey, Peter, rise and eat. And literally, this dream he had while fasting would be the open door to the non-Jewish nation to know God. Do you know that if you're a non-Jew today and you love Jesus, it's because of Peter's fast. Great things happen when you fast. Purpose is released. That was Acts chapter 10. You can read it later. How about Acts chapter 9? The Apostle Paul, he has an encounter with God. He's blind. He doesn't eat for three days. Ananias walks in. In the middle of fasting three days, Ananias gives Paul his purpose in life. During fast, God reveals purposes. How about Daniel? He fasted for ten days with his three buddies, his three amigos. My shack, your shack, and a bungalow. Come on. <laughs> These three guys with Daniel, they fasted ten days. Ten days. They ate vegetables and only water. It said after 10 days that the, these guys were ass assessed, and it says they were 10 times better. Better than the smartest Ivy League trained leaders of that day. It's almost like God saying, hey, every day you sacrificed and you fasted, I multiplied your talents. 10 days of fasting? How about 10 times better? It goes on in chapter 10 of Daniel, it says that he would fast for 21 days. Why do I love fasting? Because listen, I believe this. Not only will it... Um, well, it set the direction of things. But fasting, when Daniel fasted, it actually broke through the power of delays. You know, in Daniel chapter 10, it says that an angel came to Daniel, and he said, I was trying to come sooner, but the prince of Persia restricted me in the heavenly realms. 
And it wasn't until day 21 of your fast that you didn't drink wine, you didn't eat sweet foods, you weren't eating meat, and you put away all the Olive Garden breadsticks. Come on. It wasn't until you did this Daniel fast that I broke through the power of the, de the devil's delay. So why should we fast? Let me tell you what it does. You write these down. I'm, I'm almost finished. I believe that what happens when you fast is it will declutter and resensitize your spirit. I don't know who this is for. This is for me, man. About every couple months, I need to declutter. Fasting is spring cleaning for your spirit. But every time you start getting dry and I feel dull, I feel like my Bible reading is a little bit... Whenever the honeymoon with Jesus starts to lift... That's usually your cue to go, you know what, I need to start, I need to do a little fast. And there's something about fasting that declutters your soul. It's something about reactivates the sensitivity. Just like when you can't see or when you can't see, you start relying on your senses to hear way more. That's exactly what happens when you fast. You're like, you know what, I normally rely on food. And I'm getting a bit of a headache my body's detoxing and I'm a little bit weak at times because I don't have a lot of sustenance. But you know what I'm doing is God honors this sacrifice to put him first. I'm telling you that not, not only will it declutter, but number two, it will, as I said in Daniel chapter 10, it will break the power of delays. I believe there's some things that God is doing and he wants to do in our lives. But it's coming in agreement with the Holy Spirit as we fast that breaks things loose in the heavenly realms. I don't understand that. Look, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy, I'm the best looking. I'm close. Can I get an amen? <sighs> Very humble. Um, but I, I will tell you this. I know there is an unseen realm that we don't see. It says faith, by faith, we know that, that everything that we see is made of things that we cannot see. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Something about putting God, are you with me today? When you're fasting, that actually, it, it breaks the power of delays. Not only will it break the power of delays, I, I've learned that it actually releases God's power in our families. You better believe that during this fast, I'm going to be praying for one of my brothers. Pray for both my brothers, but one of my brothers. You know that today, I, I read the statistic that 70,000 young people today are dying every year of opioid overdoses. So many kids are addicted to pain pills, narcotics, methamphetamine, cocaine. And in Orange County, especially affluent areas, these things run rampant way more than other parts of the country. What breaks the grip of addiction? I'm telling you, there's something about saying, God, I'm going to bombard the door of heaven. And I'm going to bang on this door for my son, for my daughter, for my niece, my nephew, my dad, my uncle. I will knock on this door until this thing breaks loose. You really think that can happen? Absolutely. I'll show you people that in the Bible were praying that God was working on both sides. It's crazy how God, when, when he's speaking to one person, he's preparing the other person. God will obviously, he will do this. He will release power in our families because prayer and fasting always summons and beckons miracles and healings. Number five. You show me a church that prays and fasts, I'll show you a church that miracles and signs and wonders happen in. Jesus himself fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. It says that the devil came and tempted him during that time period. Interesting enough, it was after his fast that literally he went into villages, blind people got their sight back. Dead people came back to life. Deaf people started hearing again. Why? Signs and wonders followed him. It says that power went out of him. Can I ask you a question? If power went out, when did the power come in? 
Let me ask you this. Why is there no documented miracles of Jesus before he's 30 years old? Why is it that his miracles don't begin until after his fast? Could it be it was during his time of setting himself apart for God that God put power in him that would be released in the later part of his life? I don't have time to go through a, a, a history lesson of people like William Branham and all these people that had God encounters that actually went after God. Like, I remember uh, one, of, one of the guys that really mentored my spiritual grandfather, uh, he went to a William Branham meeting back in the day, and he was so hungry for power like that to manifest in, in his ministry that he told his wife, I'm going in this room, and I am not coming out of it until God fills me with his power. And he fasted for weeks at a time. Said several times he couldn't finish it. It was A.A. Allen, actually, one of the guys that did this as well. But there's something about fasting and praying that breaks loose a dimension. I don't know why. It's, just, it's like, it, like I heard one preacher say, it kills the flies. Kills the flies. You know what's interesting thing about flies is flies, they're, they're, um, they're I don't know if the word's maturation, but they're, the way they reproduce, they reproduce in segments of days, weeks, but it takes to kill all cycles of flies, it takes 40 days. It's interesting that the devil is called the Lord of the Flies. And that, that even you know, people that do pest control will tell you that if you have a fly infestation, they will spray every day for 40 days. Coincidental. What are you saying? I, I believe that fasting releases and summons miracles and healings. And it actually has the power to, it brings freedom from God. From tormenting darkness. I said tormenting darkness because people get scared you talk about demons and evil spirits. So I said tormenting darkness. Is that all right? Is that, is that PC enough for you? But I want you to know there is a real devil. I'm sorry if that offends you. There is a real hell. There is real, there's real demons. But the good news is we're not scared of them as Christians. So I want to be clear on that. We're not scared of witches or warlocks. We're not scared of any of that stuff. Because he that is in me, in you is greater than anything that's in the world. Yeah, it's okay to clap. We know this. It said that when Lucifer fell, he took one-third of the stars with him, the angels, fallen angels, right? Well, I'm not a mathematician, but one-third of angels that fell and turned into demons still leaves two-thirds angels on our side. So you could say that every demon that's against you, there's two angels that are for you. But I'm, I don't care about math. I'll tell you this, God plus no one else is still the majority power. Still. And so it brings freedom from tormenting spirits. Many of you, you love God. You're going to heaven. But there is darkness in you because some of you may even mess with Ouija boards and been in the occult, new age, and spirit mediums and all these different practices that are out prevalent in Orange County. Palm readers and psychics and tarot cards and whatever else I don't know about. And I just want you to know, when you open yourself up to dark spirits, those dark, that darkness will come inside of you. And you can go to church. I'm telling you, there's something about when God's presence shows up that starts evicting darkness. There was people in Jesus' day that went to the synagogues every week, demon-possessed. But the, the darkness didn't reveal itself until Jesus came on the scene. The presence of Jesus will cause darkness to rise. But if you want to get out of your life, and here, theologically we believe that you cannot be demon-possessed as a Christian. But you can be demon-oppressed. Which means I don't want to. I don't want to cut myself, but I still cut. I don't want to look at this bad stuff, but I do. I don't want to have these anxiety and, and this panic and this depression and this darkness that's glooming over these suicidal thoughts. But I just feel like I'm a victim and a prisoner of my mind. 
Not I tell you to do fast. I don't know why. Fasting is like a rocket launcher that breaks through the walls of demonic bondages. So let's go back to the politically correct. I believe it will actually give you freedom from tormenting darkness. Financial breakthroughs. I have friends, man, in business world. This deal wasn't going through. This, this, this lawsuit was never finalized. This thing's going to be in court forever. And they started fasting and they started praying. One of my mentors, he got, he's gotten lots of, lots of large checks to, to do what he's doing in the world. He's one of the largest ministries in the world. And his first million-dollar check came to his church in the middle of a 21-day fast. I don't know what it is. There's something about fasting that touches the heart of God that releases his, his, uh, his providence and his, his provision. And so if you're here today and you're like, Mark, my business, my marriage, we're struggling financially, I dare you to give one of the days or one of your prayer times or one of your devotional times to say, God, I am fasting that you would give us a job, give us an idea, a better job, a a raise, a bonus, something unexpected, God. Please, fasting brings financial breakthroughs. Half the room believes it's all right. Keep preaching to the half that's with me. And I believe that, that lastly, it bursts spiritual awakenings. Band can come up here in revivals. What do you mean? Have you ever read uh, the book of Joel, chapter 2? It's actually when Peter came out of that first church meeting, when the church was born in Acts chapter 2, it was a crazy, it was a charismatic meeting. People were speaking in tongues, tongues of fire, right? They walked out into the streets. It was like Mardi Gras. All these nations were there. People heard these Jewish young people speaking in Swahili and in Portuguese. And some of them were speaking in Mandarin, Cantonese, and all these different dialects, talking about how great God was. And all these people, right, in the, in the city were like, how in the world are these believers speaking our native language fluently? They must be drunk. That's what the, the response was from some of them, which just seems a little illogical that alcohol would increase your uh, linguistic skills. I, I mean, I would have passed Spanish back in the day. If, we'll keep going. I, uh, but it says, uh, it says that they were like, they were all, some, some were amazed, some believed, some were perplexed, but others mocked, saying they were just drunk. And Peter stands up, and he gives one of the greatest sermons in the book of Acts. And he says, guys, this is not what you think it is. This is actually today the beginning of a church, birth of Jesus' church. He died to birth this thing. Jesus was the first church planner. And he actually died on the cross, and he gets up and starts preaching eloquently. And he says, this is not, these guys aren't drunk. This is not what you think. It's only like 9 in the morning. He says, he says this is what Joel prophesied. In Joel chapter 2, he said, In the days to come, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And afterwards, after, say with me, afterwards, your young men will dream dreams, your old men will have visions, and, and they'll prophesy, and they'll do these great exploits. The word afterwards, do you ever ask the question, what was before afterwards? Joel was fasting when he declared this prophetic declaration that began to manifest in Acts chapter 2. Do you know what fasting does? It awakens a land. It awakens people spiritually to know God. Come on, to discover his freedom, to find their purpose, and to begin to make differences. We're going to be a community that fasts every year. Maybe more than one time a year, but for sure at least, come on, for most of us, every year in this month. And listen, there's different types of fast. You can write this down real quick. There's 
absolute fast. That's what Esther called in, in that day. She said, hey, don't eat, don't drink anything. And they did it for a couple of days. I don't recommend that right away. That would be like saying, I'm going to start running. I think I'm going to do a marathon. Um, I'd recommend just a little jog around the park. Uh, maybe start with a partial. Number two is a partial fast. Absolute fast. Consult a doctor if you do it more than a day. You can do it for a half day. And when it comes to fasting durations, it's between you and God. In the Bible, there's half-day fast. There's 24-hour fast. There's three-day fast, or very common, seven-day fast, 21-day fast, and 40-day fast. Again, I would not recommend 40 days or even 21 days when you're first getting going. Uh, and if you are going to go that route, I would do like a partial fast, which is when you say like Daniel, I'm not doing meats, I'm not doing wine, I'm not doing sweets. And you're like, that's not really a fast. Well, go to a steakhouse and order a baked potato plain with a garden salad plain. And you will begin to feel the sacrifice of the Lord. That's, that's fasting still, friend. So there's partial fast. And thirdly, there is normal fast. Normal fast are water, predominantly usually water. But if I do an extended fast, it's just water. If I get weak, I'll drink juice or I'll drink like chicken broth. One of my friend's churches, they fast so big at their church that the Chick-fil-A will actually offer to strain the chicken noodle soup for the church because everyone in that community is fasting during the beginning of January. I believe that's going to happen here in Orange County. Come on, Chick-fil-A. Close on Sundays. So we're going to be a church that does, come on, partial. And this week, all I'm asking, I'm asking you to do seven full days. Uh, I'm, I'm, me, I'm going to be fasting something every day, but I'm not saying you have to do a full water fast the whole time. And by the way, we're not a legalistic church, so don't judge. Boy, whoa, you're, you're drinking juice? All right, wimp. We're not judging people. You Come on, the fast is between you and God. Are you following me? Here's what I've learned. If it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God. Someone's like, well, I'll fast black and white movies. It doesn't mean anything, right? You don't watch black and white TV. But if it matters to you, it matters to God. You mark my words, God will speak, God will move. And I believe some of you, you're going to have an encounter with God this week like you've never had. And it's going to affect your kids. It's going to affect your future grandkids. Some of you are going to tell stories to your grandkids one day that they're not going to believe. They're going to say, Grandpa, you never could have been like that. And you're going to say, no, it was a weekend in 2020. It was in the first month that I had an encounter with Jesus like Paul in Acts 9, like Peter in Acts 10, that changed my destiny. That's going to happen. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to be a fasting church. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.